Earlier this year, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit invalidated parts of a Florida law preventing physicians from routinely asking patients about firearm ownership. In Walschlager v. Governor, State of Florida, the court affirmed that laws regulating physician speech must be designed to enhance patient safety and found no evidence that questions about firearm ownership are inappropriate. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Wendy Parmet, a professor of law and faculty director of the Center for Health Policy and Law at Northeastern University. Professor Parmet has co-authored a perspective article about the court's decision to overturn parts of Florida's Firearm Owners Privacy Act, or FOPA. Professor Parmet, what was the Florida legislature's reasoning for passing FOPA in 2011? Were there any health-related claims associated with the law? There were presentations to the legislature by patients who claimed that their physicians had asked them questions and really harassed them and had made them very uncomfortable, refused to treat them. So there were patients who came before the legislature um, claiming that they were quite upset and mistreated by physician inquiries about firearms. You say in your article that FOPA is similar to legislation that's been introduced in at least 10 other states. So how will the decision by the 11th Circuit affect the fate of those bills? I think it's likely that those bills are not going to go further, at least for the time being. The 11th Circuit's opinion was quite clear and emphatic. It's an en banc decision, but that means it's a decision of the whole court. There was only one judge who dissented. So legislatures probably will be deterred from passing legislation similar to Florida's. The court ruled that the law's provisions regarding inquiry about firearm ownership, keeping records of that ownership, and harassment of patients over it all violated the First Amendment. Have states tried to restrict physician speech in other areas as well? Absolutely, and that's one of the reasons why this case is so important. In the last several years, we've seen more and more attempts by states to regulate, to really micromanage what physicians can and cannot say to patients. We've seen this in the area of abortion, where many states have really enacted scripts that physicians have to read to patients, telling them information under the guise of informed consent. Some of the information required is not supported by the best medical evidence. We've seen it in other areas, too. There actually are some laws that limit what physicians can say in certain circumstances to patients about the dangers of chemicals involved in fracking. So this idea that legislatures can legislate, can regulate the specifics of physicians' speech to their patients is something that has taken hold in many states. In a second majority opinion, the court found that FOPA's provision prohibiting physicians from unnecessarily harassing a patient about firearm ownership was unconstitutionally vague. What are the implications of that part of the decision? Part of the decision is important because it suggests that FOPA was problematic not simply because of its impact on the First Amendment, but because it really presented physicians, at least in the anti-harassment part of the provision, with such uncertainty that they really couldn't know what they could do, what they couldn't do, right? 
without fear of discipline. And I think it's important for states to understand that when you're regulating the practice of medicine in the kind of way that Florida did, clarity is important and broad pronouncements against harassment, although they sound great, right, who's in favor of harassment, can really be very problematic. Indeed, even in the original majority decision, the court said, in some ways, sometimes we want physicians to do something that might come close to harassing, right? We want physicians to continuously remind patients about the importance of exercise or it really is time to get that colonoscopy. Is that harassment? Is that helpful counseling? Is it nudging? Where are the boundaries? And when these laws are backed up by threat of disciplinary action, loss of license, it's really important that states be careful. You say in your article that despite all of this, most clinicians rarely provide firearm safety counseling. So is there evidence that that kind of counseling can actually prevent injuries, prevent deaths? First of all, we need more research in this whole area, and that's something that we think is very important. There's certainly research that leads us to suggest that this kind of counseling, when done appropriately, can be effective, but we need much more research about it. It is important to note that many medical organizations, including the American Medical Association, the American College of Physicians, and the American Academy of Pediatrics all recommend that physicians engage in this kind of counseling of their patients. So what beyond that then can be done to encourage physicians to engage in these conversations? Well, we think we need more research about what kind of counseling can be the most effective. We need to know exactly what works and what doesn't work. And we need to provide support and perhaps training opportunities for physicians and other healthcare professionals to know how to engage in these conversations with their patients in an effective manner. Obviously, if a physician is coming across as hectoring a patient, right, it's probably going to be less effective. So we need to understand what works and doesn't work. Finally, what effect do you expect the current political climate to have on gun safety discussions in general? I think it's clear that we're not going to see major initiatives to increase the regulation of firearms at the federal level in the next few years. Certainly, President Trump just the other day gave a speech in front of the National Rifle Association emphatically claiming his support for their agenda. But it is important to note that a lot of the action has been going on at the state level, and different states are going in different directions. Many states in the last few years have moved to relax some of their gun laws in terms of regulation or increase their Second Amendment rights, as they would put it. But other states have gone in a different direction. And so it's possible that as we live in these very polarized times, that we will see increasing divergence between states. At least that's been the trend in the last several years. Thank you, Professor Parmet.